0: So let's ask God for help to help me uh, explain the passage to you and to see uh, with greater clarity what it means. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come here this afternoon, we just pray that you will help us to understand your word, that uh, it's full of depth and uh, complexity and meaning, but yet truly it it is really important for us to understand because it is our salvation in heaven and uh, hell is at stake. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember uh, many years ago, uh, one of my alumni from uh, ACS uh, swam across the English Channel. And he swam for 12 hours. Okay, I have trouble swimming for half an hour already. He swam for 12 hours straight. He swam 25 kilometers. That's equivalent to 700 laps of the pool. In the ocean, it was going up and down. It was very cold. And apparently, because the waves were going up and down so much, he was vomiting as he was swimming. <laughs> okay, so you can imagine like... You're sort of like breathing and vomiting at the same time. I don't know how that works. La. Anyway, so anyway, he managed to swim across the English Channel. And when he finished, he draped the Singapore flag and the ACS flag uh, 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 over him, right? And they asked him, how did you manage to do it? And he said, it was hard work, right? It was hard work. And I remember when I was growing up, my parents used to tell me that, that you know, success is 99% perspiration and 1% Inspiration. Have you heard that before? All right. Um, and I think we basically feel, right, that anything is possible by hard work. But as we've seen over the last few weeks, it can be a very, very uh, fatal thing, a uh, very bad advice to believe this uh, when it comes to the matter of salvation and eternal life. Because fundamentally, as we've been looking in the book of Romans, there are two ways that people. Try to come to God and it's up here right? It's either by work or by faith. The problem is that we've learned over the last few weeks but that we cannot come to God by work because God's judgment and justice is a hundred percent perfect and He is able to see into the darkest secrets of our hearts and he judges by truth so no matter how hard you work. You cannot break free of his justice. It's a bit like imagine if you were sentenced to jail for some crime that you committed. The judge has sentenced you. The gravel has gone, come down. You have gone to prison. No matter how hard you work, you still have to see out your prison sentence, right? Right? Because you are still guilty, guilty, guilty. And as a result, work will not set you free. And that's the same thing for us if we want to work to get to heaven, it will not work it will not happen because God's judgment is perfect, and we are all sinful right so if this is the so this is the wrong way by work, and this is the right way, right but we've learned over the last few weeks that if we try to work to get to heaven, all of us face god's judgment, okay that's God there and the crown and the and the lightning bolt represents his anger right. But the way that we've learned over the last few weeks to get right with God is to allow Jesus to take our judgment and as a result to, in faith, trust in the cross of Jesus Christ to make us right with God. Now today we come to two very, very important questions. Maybe not very important to us, but very important for the Jewish people. And the first question is, the question of boasting. Verse 27, right? Where then is boasting? Alright, where then is boasting? And the second question that we come out about is in verse 30 and, and, um, in 20, uh, 31. What about circumcision? Right? What about my religious works? What about boasting? What about religious works? So that's the question, the two questions that are dealt with in chapter four. So what about boasting? Can we boast about our salvation? Can we boast before God and other people about being saved? And the first thing that God says is, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was discovered justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. That was in chapter 4 verse 1 to 2. So I want you to play this word association game, right? When I say Lee Kuan Yew, what do you think about? What does he symbolise? Singapore, right? He's the founder of Singapore. He's the forefather of Singapore. Uh, he is the architect of Singapore in many ways. If I say to you Abraham Lincoln, what do you think about? You think about the same thing, like except it's for America. He's like the founding father of America. So when the Jewish person hears Abraham, He thinks of Abraham as someone who is the forefather of the nation, but more than just the forefather of the nation. Because if you look at the genealogy here, right, Abraham was the father of Isaac, who was the father of Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. So he was not just the father in a metaphorical sense of Israel. He was really their great forefather. They had the genes of Abraham it was almost as if we are all Lees, right? Lee Kuan Yew is like our great-great forefather, right? I mean, that's, that's what Abraham was to the Jewish people. He was literally not just their forefather in terms of bringing up the nation. He was literally their great-great-great-grandfather. So what Paul says, what the Bible says, okay, let's look at Abraham, our great forefather, and see what his experience was about boasting. And he says in verse 2, Abraham, if in fact was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Now, I think that's very true, isn't it? Because we, we can trick other people to think that we are good people. Right? So I remember last time, remember the NKF? They always had those variety shows, right? And, and at the variety show at the bottom there, you remember? There was that moving thing. Uh, like So when you call up and you say, Ah, Minkit, I want to contribute $10. Then you'll be like, Minkit, across the TV screen, got $10, right? I always wondered why they did that, right? I mean, you always do that because you want people to know that Minkit is a good person and gave $10 to the NKF, right? But even though people can boast about how much they gave to the NKF, it says here that we can't boast before God. Because God doesn't just see the $10, he sees our hearts. And he sees how actually, when we gave the money, it wasn't because we love people with kidney problems, but we may have given that money because we want to impress other people. Uh, God could see in our hearts, and, and he would have seen the times where actually, we weren't very generous people. That, you know, we may have given a million dollars to NKF, but there were many times where we were not generous to, to other people in many, many circumstances. So the first point is, there's really no point in boasting before God because God is not very impressed with our good works because He knows the multitude of times where we didn't do the good work, when we were meant to do the good work. And even the good works that we do, He knows our hearts and He can see how tainted our motives are. But He goes on to say in verse 3, what the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now what this means is that Abraham had no place for boasting because even the righteousness that Abraham received was not because he was a good person but because he was a believing person. Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. You see, in Genesis chapter 15, which is the, the, the passage that we have to understand to understand Romans. Oops. Oh, okay. This is about both things. Right? Don't worry about him. Okay. So, because Abraham believed God, believe is a faith word. He had faith in God. Therefore, God credited to him as righteousness. And in Genesis chapter 15, what God had done was he promised Abraham that he would have children even though he was like in the 80s right and Abraham believed God and God said okay because of that I will give you my righteousness now this word credited credited okay can you see the word credited right it's a a business word it's a word where you know you look at your bank statement what do you see money right money credited there and he said well you know Usually in the business world, you get money credited to you if you are owed money. Right? That's what it says there. When, in verse 4, when, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. So again, you know, imagine you're working and then your boss says to you, Hey, I give you your money at the end of the month because I'm giving you a present. And like, hey, come on man, I worked so hard for the whole month, you owe me that money, it's an obligation that you owe me, right? What do you mean you give me your present? Huh? You owe me this money, I'm going to take you to see the MOM, right? Ministry of Manpower. But in the bank balance of Abraham's righteousness, when you looked into his account based on works, it was zero. It was zero. You know why? Abraham was not a good person. Right? Abraham when he met Pharaoh, lied to Pharaoh to say that his wife was his sister, even though he knew that Pharaoh wanted to sleep and marry his wife. Abraham got impatient of God and remember, instead of having sex with his wife to have children, he he had sex with his maid, his wife's maid to get children. He lied to King Abimelech again, a second time, to say that his wife was his sister. So, what do you describe Abraham as? He's a liar. He's an adulterer. He's a cheat. How can he be a righteous man? When you look at his, his, uh, his bank balance, it should be credited as zero. But yet there is a balance in there, not because he was a good man, but because he was a believing man. He had faith in God. Now, this word here, uh, faith, it's a very important word, isn't it? Because it meant that he trusted God. It meant that ultimately he believed God. And I think this is a very good illustration, right? Because, um, Nick did this last week. He, he said, you know, it's like we have this sin thing, right, on us, okay? But then when we believe God, instead of having sin, sin takes away this, God takes away the sin and he gives us righteousness, right? It's credited to us as righteousness. Now obviously Abraham didn't understand how this was going to happen. He just trusted God. But we see that it was after Jesus died on the cross that Jesus takes away the sin and he gives us righteousness instead. Now, Paul doesn't end with Abraham. He looks at David. Again, who's David, right? David was the greatest king in Israel's history. And it says there, In verse 6, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. So let me ask you a question. Was King David, Israel's greatest king, a good man? No, he wasn't a good man, right? He, he committed adultery with another man's wife, Bathsheba. He murdered that man in order to cover up his sin. He was an adulterer and he was a murderer. But yet, he was blessed by God. Why? Because he believed God and God forgave his transgressions. His sins were covered and it was not counted against him. Now it's very interesting right because we're not talking about the cover up of sin you know it's like cover up sounds like you know you know you do the crime and you try to cover it up like you know uh Watergate right the president Nixon in America covered up try to cover up uh, uh the election fraud no it says that literally his sins were forgiven his sins were covered his sins were not counted against him So in how do we be saved well we, there's no place for boasting because King David couldn't boast, Abraham couldn't boast, because they were not good people. They weren't saved by works, but they rather they were saved by, by their faith. Now, that makes salvation a wonderful thing for Christians, because you know, imagine if a meteorite were to hit uh, our church just five minutes from now. It means that we are saved. Because we don't have to worry. Oh wow, you know, did I did I do a good work in the last hour? What did I do that really impressed God? Right? No. Because it is not our works that save us, but it is the work of God which saves us. We just have faith in God's work in Jesus Christ to save us. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because in all other religions, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're Hindu. You're always working and working to impress God, but actually, as we can see, God is not impressed. In fact, God is the one who's done the work, and we just have to have faith in God. Now, it goes on to say, Oh, and ask the question about circumcision and the law. In verse 9, it says, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised? or also for the uncircumcised. We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. He received circumcision as a sign, a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was uncircumcised. See, for the Jew, circumcision was very important. It was like the mark of being in God's family. So, the logical question for the Jew would be, hey, is, is, is Abraham only for the Jew or for the Gentile, the uncircumcised? And then Paul says, well, let's think very clearly. Was Abraham credited with righteousness before or after he was circumcised? So imagine a timeline, right? Did he get circumcised first? And then he was righteous? Or was he righteous and then he became circumcised? Now, for those of us who understand and remember uh, the history, actually Abraham was 86 when he believed God's promise and was credited righteousness. But it was only when he was 99 when he and his whole family were circumcised. So 86 minus 99 is what? About 13, right? So for 13 years of his life, Abraham was walking around uncircumcised, but righteous before God. So what comes first? The circumcision or the righteousness? Well, the righteousness came first, isn't it? In fact, he says... God says in verse 11 that the circumcision was merely a sign or a seal of righteousness. See, the external sign is not the reality. The, 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 the internal reality was invisible, the righteousness of God. See, think for a moment, right? What is more real, the marriage or the ring, the marriage ring? It is the marriage, right? How can it be the ring? Yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, wrong answer. Okay. How can the ring be... Hey, Colleen, you must go talk to him, man. The marriage is more important than the ring, right? Because what, what, what is the ring? The ring is merely the sign of the marriage, isn't it? Right? It's, when people see you walking around with the ring, what is it telling people? But you're married, right? But the ring itself is not the, 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 the marriage, isn't it? So that's what he's saying here. The circumcision came after he was righteous to show that Abraham was righteous. Therefore, it is the righteousness that is more important than the circumcision. The circumcision is unimportant in itself. And that's why it's so important for them to see that, that Abraham is the father not of the people who are circumcised or the uncircumcised, but he is the father of all the people who believe in faith and are credited with righteousness. See, this is really important because in verse 11 and 12, it tells them that because he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that circumcision might be credited to them, he is then also the father of the circumcised who are not who sorry, who not only are circumcised but who follow in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. You see, Abraham is our father. Right? He is the father of all those who are credited with righteousness because of faith. And what it means is that we must follow in his footsteps. Right? It's like If you want to follow someone who has received righteousness, then follow Abraham. And how did he do it? He did it by faith. See, I remember in Australia, I was hiking in Australia with some friends in the you know in the forest, and actually the Australian forest is very, very, very big, right? So you really can't afford to get lost. It's not like McRitchie Reservoir or something, right? So anyway, this person knew their way around, and I was very careful. To always follow my friend, right? I, I didn't want to like, you know, hey, that's very interesting, right? Walk off on my own and get lost, right? <laughs> because you really, really get lost. And that's the same thing. That's the point that is being made here. Follow in the footsteps of Abraham. You want to be right before God? Then follow Abraham. How did Abraham do it? He didn't do it by works. He didn't boast of his works. He followed by faith. Now in verse 13 and 15, the question then is, what do we do about the law? What about the law, right? Does the law contradict the promise which was given to Abraham? In verse 13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law there is no transgression. So basically there is a, a problem, right? Because God made Abraham a promise Then people saying, Hey, what about the law? Right? What happens to the law? Uh, why were you know what's the point of having the law? And again, uh, chronology is very important, isn't it? So you look at this thing. When did God give the law? After this, somewhere, right? Because God gave Abraham the promise, and then there was Isaac, there was Jacob, then the 12 tribes of Israel, and then there was Moses, sometime down the road, who then got the law. So, circumcision came 13 years later, but the law came like generations later. So what comes first? Is the promise, the promise which led to righteousness. And the law itself cannot, cannot uh, overturn the promise. You see, that's what it says there, right? For if those who depend on the law are as faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless because the law only brings wrath. See, think about it this way, right? Okay, let's say I, okay, I got fifty dollars here, and I promise to give Cheryl fifty dollars. Cheryl, I promise to give you fifty dollars. Okay, now if I make this promise, in order to make this promise worthwhile, then that's all I do. I, I say, hey Cheryl, I'll give you fifty dollars. I promise, right? But then, if, if if Cheryl is rude to me, or you know, she she doesn't say hello to me. Or, or good afternoon or something, I can't just say, hey, well, I take my, my $50 back, right? Because I made the promise, and the law belongs to her, because the promise is made without re- without qualification, without restriction. But imagine if I said to Cheryl, I said, hey, Cheryl, I promise to give you this $50, but only if you never lie for the rest of your life. D- do you think Cheryl can, can get my $50? Do you think my $50 is safe? It's safe, right? Because my, the, the promise that I gave is, is made with a qualification or restriction which, which Cheryl cannot fulfill. And that's the whole point here, right? It's saying, look, if you depend on the law, then your faith means nothing and the promise means nothing because the law will only bring wrath. You see, God promised and credited eternal life and righteousness to Abraham. But then if you then rely on the law, the law actually contradicts the promise because there is no way Abraham can fulfill the law. There is no way David can fulfill the law and there's no way we can fulfill the law. The law itself only brings wrath and actually will not bring you uh, the fulfillment that the promise actually guarantees. So I think that's quite Clear, isn't it, that at the end of the day, uh, the law works, boasting, circumcision. None of these things can save us. We want to be saved, we follow the way Abraham went, and that was to believe God, to trust God, to have faith in God, and be credited with righteousness. Okay, so we ask the question, right? Is it by works or is it by faith that we are saved and we, there is no way we can be saved by works? Abraham was not saved by works David was not saved by works. We are incapable of being saved by work. we can only be saved by faith on the promise of God oh, okay wait so in conclusion, I want to share uh, uh this illustration of, of this old pastor who. Uh, apparently it was from South Africa and was a very successful pastor. He ran a very big church. And I remember a long time ago, they asked him, they said, how do you stay humble? How do you stay humble? You know, all your life, you've been so successful in your ministry. And he says, whenever I contemplate the cross of Jesus Christ, it makes me humble because I realize that nothing, right, nothing I do can contribute to my salvation. It is Jesus who has done everything. In fact, it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. So what is that to boast about, right? Can you boast about how, hey, I sinned, you know, so Jesus went on the cross to die for me. You can't, right? In fact, when you go to the cross and you see the cross, you realize that there is no work you can contribute. In fact, the only thing you've contributed is your sin to put Jesus on the cross, So all the more there is no place for boasting in the Christian life but rather there is only the place for faith in the promises of God found in Jesus. So let's not ever be tempted to put our trust in our own works but to only put our trust in the promises of God and to follow the example of Abraham and to only rely on faith alone, faith in Jesus.